how to not touch it. Malware spread from its origins in Ukraine, and a former top FBI cyber official says breach prevention shouldn't fall on its victims. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We start off today's security report with a look at the origins of the global outbreak of NotPetya. The malware has been traced to a small Ukrainian business that develops accounting and bookkeeping software used by 80% of the businesses in Ukraine. Attackers added a backdoor to the code. They then accessed the backdoor after users installed the update. Businesses well beyond Ukraine were affected, to name a few. Federal Express in the U.S., Russia oil producer Rosneft, Danish shipping giant Maersk, British advertising agency WPP, and chocolate maker Cadbury. Joining me to discuss the latest developments of NotPetya is Data Breach Today Executive Editor Matthew Schwartz. Hi, Matt. Hi, Eric. How did NotPetya spread from the Ukraine? It's important to note how NotPetya spread initially, which was via backdoored software that was distributed via the update server of a Ukrainian software company called Medoc. Medoc is accountancy and bookkeeping software used by 80% of businesses in Ukraine. About 400,000 different users apparently rely on this software. It's one of only two approved applications for filing your taxes if you're a business in Ukraine. The software went out via the official update server and the software had a backdoor. Attackers were able to access that backdoor and push what we now know were at least two different kinds of malware onto PCs. One of those was not Petya. Another one was a wanna cry lookalike that was indeed ransomware. Is not Petya an isolated campaign? We have seen so far at least four of these very similar types of malware outbreaks occurring recently in Ukraine. So no, this appears to be part of an orchestrated campaign. There's debate over whether it is a nation state and Ukraine has blamed Russia, or it could be some kind of a cyber criminal operation or something in between. What steps have Ukrainian authorities taken? Ukrainian police released a video this week showing masked and heavily armed police officers descending on the offices of Medoc. It's made by a company called Intellect Service. And they went in and they seized the servers. Police issued a statement saying they had done this to interrupt an imminent attack. Basically, yet another update of software that had been backdoored appeared to be getting ready to get pushed. So attackers potentially still have access to the code base inside Intellect Service and are still able to add backdoors to their accounting software. Now, after police seized the servers, they also urged any business that uses this software to power down any PC on which it is installed until they can figure out how to eradicate eradicate the backdoor and also to share a tool for discerning whether or not any particular installation has a backdoor or not installed in it. Not Petya spread around the world. Are authorities in other nations doing anything about it? There have been responses by computer emergency response teams in various countries saying that they are aware of it and looking into it. But it is Ukraine leading the investigatory push here, and they're being aided by analysis being put together by security firms. In particular, ESET found the backdoor in the software, and Cisco Talos, which was part of the incident response team, has published its version of events, which have advanced what we know about it and confirmed what some of the other security firms have been seeing. 
since the initial outbreak, have we seen not Petra surface outside of Ukraine? Yes, it looks like business partners and branches of organizations that do business in Ukraine got infected via the initial Ukraine infections. 70% of the infections estimated happened in the Ukraine and then spread. So Maersk, the Danish shipping giant, was one especially well-known case where they've had to shut down ports, reroute ships, their portal for import and export tracking went down for days. This apparently happened through VPN connections that businesses have with their branches in Ukraine. It's not clear how they could have avoided this attack. The malware that spread wasn't detected by many different kinds of security defenses, apparently. I think we're going to learn more about this and see if there are some ways that organizations could block this in the future. But to date, we just don't have enough information to put together a complete list of lessons learned. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Eric. The ISMG Security Report continues after this message. ISMG's Global Summit Series will be taking place at the Marriott Marquis in New York on August 8th and 9th. Hear from subject matter experts like Randy Trezak of Carnegie Mellon on insider threat detection. Learn more about ransomware, endpoint detection, malware, and more. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. We have to stop blaming the victims for cybersecurity, and we have to stop believing that the users of technology can really secure their systems. We have to drive it as far away from user responsibility as possible. That's the one-time Deputy Assistant Director of the FBI Cyber Division, Stephen Chabinski. He's now Chair of the Global Data Privacy and Cybersecurity Practice at the law firm White & Case. Kabinsky articulated his unconventional view of cybersecurity in a conversation I recently had with him. He characterizes his approach as being 180 degrees from how IT security is typically practiced. Whenever there's a problem, we say, patch your system. We, we say, you know, every agency has to now do the NIST cybersecurity framework. Everyone has to have risk management. How would we bring it above that? How would we seek higher level solutions? And one of those ways is to try to look at the environment that we're in. So much can be done at the internet ecosystem layer. Chubinsky analogizes the current approach to cybersecurity to the Flint, Michigan water supply crisis. In Flint, more than 100,000 residents were exposed to high levels of lead in the drinking water. Authorities propose solving the crisis at its source, the ecosystem layer, so to speak, and not its destination, the end users. No one would ever say is, I know what we should do for Flint, Michigan. Let's get NIST to create guidelines. Let's distribute that to all of the good people of Flint, the homeowners, the businesses. Let's tell them they all have to own their own water filtration system, and they have to have the experts needed to use those incredible systems, and they have to update and upgrade and change out the filters all the time. People would say this is absolutely impossible. The lesson from Flint is to seek higher-level solutions that benefit the many. Chabinsky served last year on the Bipartisan White House Commission on Enhancing National Cybersecurity, which recommended several high-level solutions. One recommendation would create a multi-stakeholder initiative to mitigate the impact of botnets and other malicious attacks. Having a botnet initiative as a really good place to start, being very timely uh, for any number of reasons, including the recent ransomware issues, but even before that, the Dyne 
uh, DDoS attack. All of these are botnet issues. Another area is threat deterrence. How far away can you get from the victim than going after the bad guy themselves? We have to have better detection, better attribution, and better penalty. Uh, and we have to resource that. And we're spending tens of billions of dollars on vulnerability mitigation efforts, patching your system and continuous monitoring, and very few efforts um, either uh, at the law enforcement layer, the intelligence layer, looking at all of our uh, elements of national power, working in the private sector, to actually go after the bad guy and have some real meaningful deterrence. And, and bringing this problem back home, instead of blaming the victims that they've been compromised, blaming the bad guys who are actually breaking in. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Next up, ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kirk reports on a cyber fraud problem facing Australia's universal health care system, Medicare. Australia has launched an investigation after health care details are being sold on an underground marketplace on the internet. The fraudster is selling the details of Medicare cards, which are assigned to all residents. The revelation has prompted doubts on the government's ability to protect people's personal information. The country has been building an online service called My Health Record, which contains detailed information on things such as allergies, prescriptions, and pathology reports. The idea behind that program is that healthcare providers can quickly query a patient patient's record and provide better care. Medicare card numbers are used for reimbursement claims for doctor visits and prescriptions under the country's public health system. The fraudster claims to be able to deliver the Medicare card number and expiration date. One set of details costs around $22 payable in virtual currency. The buyer just needs to supply a person's full name and birth date. The Guardian, which wrote the story, did one test purchase and said the information was accurate. The government has been quick to assert that the leaked details could not be used to access someone's online health record, but there's broader, more worrying uses. The cards are also frequently requested as a secondary form of identification for other services, including passport applications, rental tenancies, and voter registration. In Western Australia, for example, Medicare cards can be used as a form of ID to register for internet-based voting. There are some ideas about how the fraudster is accessing the numbers. One problem for healthcare providers are people who show up at clinics and have forgotten their cards. The Department of Human Services runs a portal called Health Professional Online Services. If a provider needs to find a Medicare number, it can log into the portal and find one by supplying a person's name and date of birth. It's possible the fraudster has compromised a healthcare provider with that access. The government says it has contacted the victims, which it believes to be around 75 people. It's unknown how the government knows whose information has been compromised but it does indicate that investigators may already be making progress. But that doesn't solve the larger problem, which is assigning relatively static identifiers to people that can be easily replayed for fraud. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. Finally, President Donald Trump continues to hedge on whether the Kremlin was behind cyber meddling that four U.S. intelligence agencies contend interfered with last November's U.S. presidential election. At a press conference on Thursday in Poland, Trump said, Could very well have been Russia, but I think it could well have been other countries, and I won't be specific, but uh, I think a lot of people interfere. I think it's been happening for a long time. It's been happening for many, many years. Trump's comments came on the eve of a face-to-face meeting he'll have with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall if the topic of Russian cyber mischief in the U.S. election comes up? That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.